So welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined myself and Joe as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. And, you know, I, so I teach at this uh, classical Catholic school, as you know, and the kids are always asking me moral questions, some difficult, some easy. So I figured we'd have a whole episode on difficult moral questions that I've been asked or other crazy questions that I've come up with to kind of hash out because it's kind of cool to talk about. But Joe said he didn't want to talk about difficult moral questions. So we're going to start off with an easy one. Joe, can I kill someone? Well, I think it depends on the situation. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> depends on the situation. Yeah, I would say no for that I one. Unless, probably... you're, unless, unless you're a soldier in war, right? Yeah. Or someone's trying to attack your yep. face. Self-defense, which of course, yeah. Yeah, get the question of is it, yeah, what is murder actually, right? Like, right, because yeah. the commandment is not do not kill. No. It's often translated do not kill, but the word in Hebrew is more it's a different thing. nuanced do than not, that. Do not it's murder, like, more do not murder yeah. innocent children. Or, which is why we can eat meat, for example, or we can kill animals, because it's when it's talking about do not kill would seem to imply don't take any life, but murder actually requires a, like a, a human being with a rational soul, right? right. So That's very true, yeah. very true. So no, we won't start off with cannibalism, that's all. <laughs> Is that, is that a difficult moral question? I guess it could be. It very much could be, right? Yeah. Because, you know, especially in, uh, you know, I know this is quite tragic, but, you know, in Ukraine right now, they're, you know, mm. going into winter with all the shelling going on and, and in this terrible situation where they may not be able to get food. So if, mm. if someone dies from shelling or in the streets from hunger, is cannibalism allowed in the case of somebody dying naturally? I truly have no idea what the church would say out to that. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to leave that one away. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would actually be okay, but that's my perspective. I don't know. I'll take that as gospel truth. Yeah, we, we can. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's the first one. Here's the first one, which did come up in the school I teach. So um, so we know that it's a grave mortal sin. It's grave matter to miss mass on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there can be lots of reasons why we should miss mass if you're yeah. sick or if you're taking care of someone who's sick. Or, it's too early. Uh, if it's too early, you have to go if it's too early? <laughs> we do have evening mass. Even if it's before 10 a.m. on a Sunday? Yes, yes. You, even Yeesh. before 10 a.m. You sure? Sorry. I know, right? I How know. document says that? <laughs> Catechism? Of the Catechism? Oh, okay, yeah. The Bible? I don't know. Anyway, so, <laughs> so yeah, so keep holy the Sabbath day. You know, you have to, um, and that's, it's grave matter to intentionally miss mass. Now, yeah. now, the commandment, right, is to keep holy the Sabbath day. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the church could substitute something else, which it did during the COVID pandemic, right? Because you can't physically get to mass. And on certain circumstances, there are reasons not to get to mass. COVID, or you live in Alaska, or you um, are you know, flying to the International Space Station or whatever. But what if somebody were to do something that they can foresee they're going to miss mass for long periods of time, but it's only solely for recreation? And the idea that comes to mind is walking the Appalachian Trail. It takes about six months to do that. And you know that you're going to miss mass for six months, but there's only there's really nothing you get out of it except maybe you know self discovery or recreation, all of which are goods, but they pale in comparison to the good of mm-hmm. you encountering Christ in the Eucharist. So, yeah. is it morally legitimate to miss mass on Sunday for that? Yeah, I mean, I'm so, I'm sort of inclined to say no. Um, I mean, if you think about before the era of mass and easy transit, right? I mean, that's how long it took to get anywhere. So if you had family, you might have to walk for, you might have to travel for like a week or something like that. And maybe, maybe you would miss Sunday Mass. Um, but I think we would have seen visiting families as sufficient enough good to warrant that. But you're talking about something very different, which is I don't need to go on the Appalachian Trail. I can see parts of it. Um, is the experience good enough, like important enough to miss the Eucharist? I'm inclined to say no. 
I don't know though. Hmm. What do you say? Well, I asked a couple other priests this, and and one of the priests I live with says that, and and it is true, any priest can give a dispensation from the Sunday Mass obligation for a good reason. So he said he would give it for that. Huh. I'm not sure that I would personally. So so as if you're going on the Appalachian Trail, do you have to? Should you just like shop around for a priest that's gonna? No, I think actually, light? I think that if that okay, in that case, then I think it's. You need to, in advance, pray about asking a specific priest. So pray for God to show you the person he wants to communicate to you through. And bind yourself to what that priest says. I like that, except, you know, we live in, in a hierarchical church. So you go to your proper pastor. So you go to your proper that's, pastor. That's, that's actually true, yeah. But you point. should really go to yeah, your proper you're right, pastor. You have spiritual right. authority over you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So unless you're in a situation where you're like not at your proper church, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. All things being equal, you're right. You should go to your proper pastor. Yeah. Um, and he, um, yeah, because, because, um, by doing that, in a sense, you're actually like, um, it's now just you making the decision. It's the church making the decision with you, which means, which means that you're not solely responsible for the outcome of it to some extent. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's all, you know, hierarchy is good. That's true. That's true. Two cheers for hierarchy. And, <laughs> and yet. There have, and I'm going to throw another wrench into this, which is my, why it makes it so difficult, right? There's, there's been plenty of, um, plenty of pastors in the past who have given permission for objectively immoral actions, right? Mm-hmm. There's been plenty of con- people in confession who have said, it's fine if you use birth control in your marriage, even though that's objectively immoral. That's not this, though. No, it isn't this. This is a completely different yeah, that's not this, topic. So. But can a pastor give permission for that? No. Not at all? Um, not even if the woman a, is... A, a pastor cannot give permission for you to violate the objective moral law. Objective teaching of the church. That's not how Catholics do theology. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have like a whole tangent go down on this. I'll save it for the microphones are off. For the sake <laughs> for our listeners' sake and for ours. <laughs> I'm curious now when that, yeah. where this tangent is going. But yeah, that's, it's an interesting question. A tough one. A tough one. I think... Because um, there are other ways to sanctify Sunday, right? You have to always keep it holy, but you could pray a rosary while you're on the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. I think that the Appalachian Trail is a particularly difficult one because I think we recognize that there's like a raw beauty to, and th- that makes it good. We had talked about it before, like, all right, I'm going to take a two month, a two week cruise. Is that permissible? Or I'm going to go to work. I, I, I know somebody whose son took a job in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. There's no mass in Saudi Arabia. Uh, is that permissible? Right. Like, I think there are other goods that you'd have to I think. This is why it's important to not only uh, to get out of your own head and, and think through the church. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I can't imagine being a uh, like a um, like a pioneer here in this country, yeah. knowing that okay, I'm going to move to Iowa and be the first person there, and maybe never go to mass again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if what my conscience would say because obviously it's much, it's great for your family. You're going to inherit 150 acres or whatever right. this fertile land, but right, but never have the sacraments. That's why I haven't moved to Iowa. Uh, to Iowa, I think they have mass there now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. I've never been to Iowa. <laughs> not, well, I like that. I love the mass too much. And I don't think there's anything <laughs> worth seeing in Iowa. Ouch. No offense Father. to our Iowan friends who are listening to this. No doubt we have many. I'm sh- are there many people in Iowa? There's dozens. Definitely dozens. Yeah. Definitely dozens. At least probably, dozens. Probably more cows than that, but that's all right. So yeah. So it's a difficult question, and I don't think there's an easy answer to that one. So here's one that might be a little easier. Second question. Um, so... This happens to me on a fairly regular basis, so it has a very practical reality. Some, my eyes are bigger than my stomach, you know, and it happens quite regularly that you know you'd be at a buffet or. I've something. seen you eat. I don't think your eyes are bigger than your stomach. 
Okay, my stomach, <laughs> my stomach's pretty big. That's true. <laughs> I do have an appetite. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. Which is funny because I'm a stick. stick you really are. Yeah, you're, you're one of the uh, probably one of the worst kinds of people. Actually, somebody who can eat whatever they want and stay reasonably thin. Yeah, I, well, you know, that's people ask me why I run. It's like I hate every minute of running. Right, but I do it so I can eat whatever right. I want. Right, but so <laughs> so I you know take something on my plate or whatever, and I find that I have a you know a third of it left at the end of the meal, and I'm full. And the question is, all right, well, I could either commit gluttony and finish eating this, or I can throw it away, which not only be rude to the host, but also would be kind of disrespectful to God who gave me such great gifts, and mm. you know, there are poor children starving in China, yeah. or whatever the politically correct place is these days, Ethiopia or something. All right, so, so is it better to throw food away or to commit the sin of gluttony? Can I rephrase that in a way that'll answer the question? Please. Is it better to commit a capital vice or to be rude? Oof. <laughs> Oof. Gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins. Um, yeah, but is wasting glu- food is, is not. Is gluttony a mortal sin? Well, it's one of the seven deadly ones. So I presume it's a mortal sin. Uh, I don't know about that, because because there's there's gluttony and then there's gluttony, right? There's like okay, I'm a little uncomfortable versus I'm now throwing up. Right, that's fair enough. And I I think it's only a mortal sin if you get to the point where you're you're throwing up or physically like. I, but I could be wrong on that. That's all, totally a judgment call. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think again, we're talking in sort of generalities about things that require, uh, you know, you know, specific attention to a situation. But I think that if you are at risk of, well, for also like, we're we talking about an extra piece of chicken or like the second piece of cake that was put on your plate. Like I think that matters too, right? Like cause I also think that he- frequently, I think, that, like, I think like, right. I think like, like healthy, like no one is like, Oh jeez, there's so many Brussels sprouts on my plate and I just don't want to be rude. Or I want to eat them. So, like that's a know, pretty easy decision. Right, healthy, no healthy eating is also virtuous as is sure. moderation, your food intake. Um, and I think that it's good to create a structure in which you are, you make yourself think through how much food you put in your plate before you start eating. Right. So that's the optimal thing. Right. So like by saying, oh, I have to eat it because you know, well, then maybe you're not going to be that careful about what you put on your plate because you have to eat it. Right. So yeah, my, my instincts would be to say it was better to not commit the sin of gluttony. We're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. You just yes, ruined my Thanksgiving. Hope you know that. I'm only here to help, <laughs> however I can. That's right. Well, thank you. That was that was helpful. That's my that's my take. What do you what do you think? You lean towards more towards committing gluttony. Well, I was abandoned. I was driven into my it was driven into my head by my parents that the worst sin in the world is wasting food. That's obviously not true, though. Well, no, I know murder's worse. Yeah, but like the worst, have, the worst sin in the I'm world. I'm not tempted to murder. The worst sin in the world is um, ending class late the day before break. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, that's up yeah. there. That's yeah. up there with like, you know, genocide. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly where the word is. So yeah, no, we were on the same page here. <laughs> but so yeah, no, I've I've always thought that like, you know, even if I eat so much that my stomach is going to be perhaps uncomfortable, nevertheless my body is going to use that food. So it's not going to go to waste. Maybe go to my waste, but but <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Sorry. And for the record, I love Brussels sprouts. And there oh, no, are times don't. when I take too many. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, because they're just mm, scrumptious. Mm-hmm. Weird, right. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, here's here's a question for you. And uh, so imagine that you've got a friend who's married. So he's now imagining that. He's like, I have a friend who's married. I do actually have a friend who's married. Good. I hope you have a few friends that are married. Just one? My well, age? You're only 24. This yeah, year, friends yeah, my age were married. Like, no, I have one friend who got, a friend of mine from college who I graduated with who got married. You got married already? Mm-hmm. Props, way to go! I know, nice, yeah. So imagine this, this married friend. No, maybe not. Don't imagine this married friend. Imagine you have a friend who's married, and uh, and you go out 
with your family or, you know, you go out with to dinner or something and you see this guy who you know is married with another lady mm-hmm. having dinner. It's not their spouse, clearly. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. You can clearly tell that it's n- more than a friendship. So what do you do? Do you go and tell the wife that this happened? Do you talk to the friend or do you do nothing? Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. Doing nothing. Why I did difficult moral do, questions, not the is easy that what, Is that where it comes? <laughs> um, doing nothing, I think, is definitely not an option if you care about this person. So I think that, well... I think we can look to the Gospels for guidance here, right? Um, the first step of eternal correction is speaking to the person in question. So talk to the person first. Um, you now, if the if the consequence of that conversation is, um, yeah, I was mistaken, made once, but won't happen again. Don't tell Emily or whoever it is, right? Well, now it's more and more complicated. Um, mm. I think to some extent it might matter who like if is it your friend or is it your friend's husband type thing right i think mm. that might matter like who are your actual loyalties what to? kind of your, what kind yeah, of relationship, relationship do you have, you have um yeah. and also i think like like i'm lucky enough to have a spiritual director i would talk to him about this, something like this i think if if you're in a situation like this you should talk to somebody about it i think maybe for this one it doesn't matter if it's your proper pastor i think just like a priest you trust probably you know um uh, pray about it this is a big thing you're talking about people's lives here right um right because as a confessor, if someone were to confess that to you, you wouldn't be, you actually, I don't think you actually could tell them that they have to tell their spouse. You know? No, in confession, you cannot tell the person right. they have to reveal their sin. Right. So that's, so now again, we're not talking about confession, but it is noteworthy that we, that, that, that's how the church views these things. Yeah. So yeah. What, do you, what would you, what would you say? Not in a confession, but in a. In, a, in other situation? <clears throat> yeah, that would be really tough. I mean, I would say, I would say a conversation's in order with your friend that you saw out or even if your friend's husband and just say, Hey, you know, I noticed you out with this lady. Was that, you know, it was a business trip or, cause there could be a, a very innocuous thing, but, but you know, certainly, yeah, the first step is certainly not to go talk to the person's spouse and cause problems where none might, where none may exist. Right. Yeah. That's right. for sure. So do you have, if you like, what's the line where you see a friend sinning, what's the line where you have to step in and yeah. say something? I don't know because I, um, it's not something that I'm particularly good at and it's not something anybody's comfortable with, I don't think. Definitely At least not. you shouldn't be. Even honestly. as a priest, I'm not comfortable yeah. with so that. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can say because I don't know that I've gotten... I, I don't think I've figured out where my line is yet. I don't know that it's been crossed such that I've done this really. So yeah. what, what, do you have a, 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 a line that you have already? Uh, you know, part of it, to be honest, is relying on the Holy Spirit because, mm-hmm. you know, as especially as a priest, I, I've, there's a number of parishioners, very, very active and prominent parishioners who perhaps will miss Mass on Sunday or something like that. Like we have a, a um, one of our parishioners who teaches CCD who is not always faithful in her Mass attendance. That's no good. And not, you know, not a bad person, but, and, and so I'm kind of like, well, am I at the stage in my relationship with her that I can have that honest conversation? And know, I think that, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I'm still trying to, you know, I'm still trying to grow that relationship with her and, and you know, try to trust her and she trusts me because you can't lead with that, right? The first time sure. I encounter someone, I can't be like, yo, what's yeah. up? Why weren't you mass on Sunday? You know, this Good time. morning, sinner. Let's talk about your mass attendance. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's not the way to, yeah. to lead it. So, but the question is, you know, at what point mm-hmm. do we have that relationship? But see, that is a good example because it brings up another consideration, which is in, to me, in that case, the main problem is actually not her or him. The main problem is the fact that that person is causing scandal to their kids. Because now mm. you have somebody who you're saying, listen to this person with just instruction, and they're setting a bad example. And not like, oh, they like cuss sometimes. Like they're committing a mortal sin publicly. So I actually, now we're talking about the sin of scandal. Right. And that's, as a, as a pastor, I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. It is, but how public is the scandal, right? That's the question. Does anyone know other than her biological children? You know, Michelle? Oh, that might be enough. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. <laughs> that's certainly true. Yeah. I don't know. 
That's tough. But I, but I think I think that's another consideration. It is tough. It's one thing. Put it this way: if I see one of my married friends out with a, out with um, a girl who's not their wife, that's one thing. If I see you out with a girl that's not your wife in that way, right? That's a whole other question. Right now, we're talking about a minister, right? So, like, who this person is? Are they a public facing person? Is it a public facing sin? These are all considerations worth worth taking in, into account. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. So. All three of these, I don't think we've resolved any of them. Nope. And guess, okay. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> we're not going to resolve any of these. And that's why they're difficult more right. questions. Otherwise, no, we could point to a document or something, yeah. Yeah, because in a lot of them, I mean, in a lot of them, you can you can identify the principles that are involved, mm-hmm. but maybe not, um, but until you are in the concrete situation, right? it's not always easy how you apply the principles. Yeah. It's almost like life's messy. Life is very messy, very messy, hmm. yeah. And that's, that can be a tough thing. Yeah. Indeed. So... Yes, do you have any for me? I have one I got in a CCD class, but A, it might get you in trouble. And well, it might get in trouble, but but it, <laughs> it's about it's about sexual ethics and two competing church teachings on the church. Go for it. Okay. We'll talk about everything here. So this is asked me by a kid, and I didn't know how to answer it. Something partially because it's something I'd actually thought about myself, which is this. We know contraceptives are are immoral for are immoral. We also know that abortion is immoral and that sex outside of marriage is immoral. All three things we know. The question was, accepting for a moment that everything that in this example is impermissible, if two people are planning on having sex outside of marriage, right? Let's say two teenagers, mm-hmm. right? Two people who are not in a position to get married and raise a kid, who would be likely to, to, to seriously consider an abortion if they were to get pregnant, is it like more morally impermissible for them to also use contraceptives while having sex outside of marriage? I have often wrestled with that. Yes. And I, I honestly, I mean, I affirmed, obviously affirmed church teaching is the best I understood it. I, th- I wasn't exactly sure. I, I, all I could say, and I was, well, I did say really was the use of contraceptives is, is impermissible as is sex outside of marriage, as is abortion. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know because um, is it more immoral to have an abortion than to use a condom? Well, of course. Of course. That's the destruction of human much life. Much more grave. Yeah. Yeah. So now, it isn't as if it's like there's two options. Those are the two options, right? Because there's always, in this case, there's no reason you couldn't not have sex, right? Like that, right. that, is, that is the correct thing to do, right? Absence is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. And, and what, so, so, the, so would you counsel this against somebody? I think probably not. But I think this does come up in like, should public schools be teaching people, be teaching teenagers about contraceptives? Well, now it's an interesting question because those kids aren't catechized. Most of them don't know sex outside of marriage is immoral. Mm. So the options for them probably really are contraceptives or abortion in terms of what their actual lives are going to look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how, what, 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 how do you sort through all that? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so is it like a separate sin if you use contraception in that case? Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough question. And we're talking, we're talking about... Tough questions. Tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about tough questions, and that makes it a tough question. Can I, can I phrase it sociologically for a second? Yeah. Um, the goal of the pro-life movement is a conversion of hearts in America. That's what's going to stop abortion. Right. Okay. Now, accepting for a moment that that, that hasn't happened yet, accepting the world as it is, one of two things is what's going to happen in most parts of the country. There's either going to be a high use of, of contraceptives or a high rate of abortion. Just as a, as a matter of fact. Like, so, yeah, so, so, as a matter so, of description, like in the state of Connecticut where abortion is an accepted practice, either most teenagers will use condoms and other forms of birth control, or there will be a high abortion rate among teenagers. But, but let me ask you a question. If you live in, I don't know, Mississippi or one of those states that does not allow abortion, would not that, that lack of access to abortion, could not, couldn't that be uh, something to spur you on to abstinence? Oh, 100%. Or, or, right? or, like, or, okay, there's, 
or maybe to more carefully use contraceptives for being honest with what life looks Possibly, like quite possibly people, yeah quite possibly i mean yeah. nowadays of course they have but, but i'm saying in terms of what one advocates so in other words you are a catholic parent who sends your kids to public schools somebody comes up to you and says you know i, I don't know if you knew this but they're actually teaching our kids how to use contraceptives in school and i want to put a stop to it will you join me well will you because in the back of your head, you're thinking if these kids aren't going to use contraceptives, they might be more likely to have an abortion because they're not going to not have sex with each other. They're they're not they're not catechized. You know what I'm saying? So so I'm 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 I'm, I'm asking you, and what do you think is the right thing to do there? Obviously, contraceptives are immoral, but they are the lesser the lesser evil in this case. In this case, lesser than abortion, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so is is that is is these contraceptives more even more damaging to the kids than just you know not practicing chastity is in this case? Um, so much so that it outweighs the, the moral evil of abortion. I think I think abortion is not the only option if someone gets pregnant. Well, that's obvious. Right? Certainly true. Yeah. So so I think you know as a parent you would have to make and I think different people have different roles in this, right? Mm-hmm. So a parent would have to make clear first of all, okay, uh, you know abstinence is is the expectation that you save sex until marriage. Mm-hmm. If you happen to make a terrible mistake and lose your virginity and get pregnant, please know that I'm here for you mm-hmm. and and we're not gonna we're gonna raise this child. Yeah, I think yeah. that's something that we should remember as the pro-life movement, is you you can't um you can't hate the person after they made that mistake if you have to give them reason yeah, to choose life. I mean, yeah. I don't think most people do. No, 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 do I? I. I, think, I think most parents, to be honest, would be very mm-hmm. open. I mean, I, when I was a chaplain of a former high school, which was a little rougher, mm-hmm. we had a couple occasions where kids got pregnant in school, and one that that really stands out in my mind. We kept begging her, begging her to keep the kid. We kept we connected her with the Sisters of Life. We, you know, and she was dead set on abortion, and she ended up going through with it, which was really sad. She actually she asked several people to take her to the abortion clinic, and several people turned her down and said, "No, I'm not going to yeah. do that. I'm not going to be part of it." But uh, I mean, I think yeah, I think so. Like, if a kid is in that situation of like, "Hmm, I know I'm going to have sex. Should I use a condom?" I mean, first of all, that's that's not an inevitability, right? I know I'm going to have right. sex. Well, no, you, you don't have to have sex. You, no, of course there's not. There's yeah. ways to avoid it. And, right. and I think having a condom in your back pocket is actually going to give you more motivation oh. to have sex, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, if you were trying to practice chastity, you don't carry around birth control. Right, exactly. So <laughs> right. it's a whole, <laughs> it's it's a whole level, yeah. shift here of like, all right, you need to sure. you need to focus on chastity. And that kid who brought it up probably wants an out. He wants to not practice chastity. I think he just wanted to ask me a question he didn't think I could answer. Oh, and he well, succeeded in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, I answered it, but yeah, um, no, but it is it is tough. And again, like there's different levels to this. Are we talking about the interpersonal level or the societal level? I think it's tough societally. I'm going to be honest. I think well, it's I think it's tough to say that well, because society is made of individuals. And if, right, yeah, right. So you're right. To, I mean, should we outlaw contraception? Are you asking I'm me? I'm asking you. Yeah, I mean, should we? Um, not knowing what the UACCB says on this and being willing to submit myself to the authority of the church, I would say that that would not be the, the prudent next step for our country. Oh, I think you're right. Moment, no, yeah. I think you're right. I think but, that there's a lot of internal conversion and other laws need to change before we change that one. Right. No, I would agree with you. I would agree with mm-hmm. you. I think that'd be um, something that, that would indeed um, take away freedom that, that, I mean, obviously we would hope that people wouldn't use them, but but I don't know. I don't know. That's another tough one. Yeah. So let's let's finish on one more tough one. <laughs> this has to do with um, with cooperation in evil, hmm. you know, and how much cooperation can you do in evil, right? So this this is another real life story that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Is that one of the kids at the school I teach come, came up to me very um, flustered because his parents were going to a gay wedding, hmm. and uh, and he 
didn't want to have anything to do with it. And his parents were basically forcing him to go. And so his parents won the day and, and went. But his parents called me, and much to their uh, eternal credit, you know, we had a great conversation about it. And they said, you know, is it sinful if we go to this? What is your take? Yeah, it is. So, so is it also sinful if you go to the wedding of a straight couple if they're not married in the church? Um, right. So first of all, we're talking about different situations, right? So a gay, a, uh, a gay putting um, wedding in air quote in scare quotes because there isn't such a thing as a gay wedding, right? Um, you can only you can only um, attempt marriage with a man, a man, a woman, woman, right? Right. Second not speaking, not a real marriage. There's no marriage. Right. Yeah. Um, that being said, attending such a, such a marriage, that marriage, such as it is, cannot be brought into the church. Full stop. Right. Um, so there's no way to rectify that right. situation. Now, um, to, uh, to, um, a, a, a Catholic marrying a non-Catholic outside of the church, or two Catholics marrying outside of the church, that can be if they're a man and woman. Um, that way, that marriage can be brought into union with the church, can be um, sanctified. Um, yeah, so there's a fundamental difference yeah. there. Yeah, and, and and so I think this is a prudential question that must be answered, which is, okay, um, what is my relationship with these people? Um, by my not, because I think there's this, there's this like maybe an older mentality, which is like, I don't go to that wedding. I, if, I, if you're Catholic, you get married in a church, and if you don't, I don't go. I understand that. I think that comes from a time when, to put it like crassly, it mattered if a priest didn't go to your wedding. Mm-hmm. Whereas now people would be like, all right, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna do whatever I want anyway. Right. Um. And so, and, and, and we've lost the fight over marriage so much, you know, uh, what marriage is and what it isn't. So, um, I think that if if you can make the calculus that says that, um, yeah, my going to this wedding, even though it's not a real marriage because it's a man and a woman, but they're not getting married in the church, and one of them are, or two of them are Catholic. Um, my going preserves this relationship, such that eventually I can try, I can try to bring them to conversion on this question. And and I think that might probably requires you to say to them, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Like this isn't a, this isn't right. I'm going to go because I love you. And I want to be there for you. And and um, but this isn't right. And I want to help you rectify this one day. I think that's the attitude. You, that that would be the attitude I would probably be more likely to take. Um. So, yeah. Now, do I, look, I've had gay friends, right? It, it, um, and and I have people in my life who if have they you, have you been invited to one of their weddings? No, I've not. Um, no, I've not. Nobody that I was that close with. And there are people in my life who, if they were gay and they invited me to a gay wedding, it would it would really kill me to not be able to go. I'd feel terrible. But, I mean, what, what, can you, what can you do? Yeah. Especially as a priest, you, as a seminarian, me. I mean, now we're talking again about scandal. Well, that would be scandal, yeah. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was looking in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which actually has a pretty clear understanding of cooperation and evil, right? Mm. So there's many ways you can cooperate. You can, um, you know, provide the gun that's going to be used to shoot someone if you know it's going to be shot, you know, or you can... Uh, you know, uh, encourage someone, teach someone how to sin. But one of the ways is, is celebrating someone else's sin, right? So, mm. so celebrating someone else's sin is, is indeed cooperation in it. And, and there's more or less culpability there. But um, so especially with a gay wedding, you know, cheering or saying congratulations or giving a gift or, you know, in any way making some sort of approval to this is in a way... Obviously, we're cooperating in in the sin that is is making kind of a mockery of marriage, and and even with a couple that's getting married outside the church. My brother did that; he got married outside the church, and uh, at the time, I was totally conflicted because I was a deacon at St. Mary's in Bethel when that I happened. Remember, I remember this, and I was very torn. I was like, "Should I go? Should I not go?" And I talked to the pastor, and he's like, "You know, yeah, you should go because you have a close relationship with him." And you know, and, and so I actually went and served as a groomsman. And, and looking back, what I would have done 
is I would have gone but not served as a groomsman. Sure. Because I think I witnessed I, I witnessed something that is objectively not a valid marriage. Right. Right. And and being that public witness, I think was a diff, was a, a little bit of a not a scandal because nobody really lost their faith, but still just mm-hmm. a, a sign value that wasn't good, you know. And so if if it ever came up again, if a cousin or you know a nephew gets married outside the church, my reaction would probably be, look, I I love you. And I may attend, but I'm probably not going to give you a gift because it's not something to celebrate, hmm. you know. And I'll, I'll attend because I love you, but we have to be careful, I think, with with celebrating it because then the idea gets into people's heads like this is okay, this is good, when in reality, it's not good to get married outside the church. And what about somebody who's a baptized Catholic but who has left the faith for a different one, different form of Christianity, let's say? You have to, in order to actually, in order to have a valid marriage outside the Catholic Church for Catholic beliefs, you have to write a letter. I don't know if it's to the bishop or to your pastor, basically stating that I am leaving the Catholic Church. Right, but obviously someone left the Catholic Church doesn't care about that. Kind Most of people thing. don't so, care about that. Yeah, exactly. my, my my point is that um, in that in such a situation, um, they've they've left um, they, they they've left the faith. So I don't know. I, I'm thinking that situation maybe it's even more complicated, but maybe I'm making it more complicated than it needs to be. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe that's something for Pope Francis to, uh, to yeah, <laughs> in the next update of canon laws, like you know, make make it easier for people to leave the faith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hope should be doing. I mean, right? wait, that came out wrong. That came out fast wrong. track. I yeah, I didn't mean that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, now it's now minutes, this, you too can lose your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now there's lots of formality, right? So there's sure, 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 sure. a way in which we can say, look, your marriage is valid because you're not Catholic anymore. Or, or something of that nature. I don't know. It's very and again, somebody with a faith doesn't care to do this, so it doesn't matter. How right, easy and you're never going to do it. You know, it's obviously you don't want to encourage people by making it easy to yeah. leave the faith. So, right. pa- paperwork with the Vatican is the last thing keeping somebody attached to the faith. Right. <laughs> exactly. Maybe the reason they're leaving, but it's not the reason they're staying. <laughs> but you know, in in a way, in a way, it can be a blessing because if somebody on their deathbed wants a Catholic funeral. If they haven't formally left the Catholic faith, then they're welcome to have one, even if they've spent their entire life in the Church of Christ or whatever. Meaning right. a Protestant. Pro- yeah, 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 Protestant clear, Church of Christ. Yeah. Or not, Church of Christ. The Church of Christ. Right, yeah. You know, the United <laughs> Church of Christ. Let's make sure we're understanding. Lutherans, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Episcopalians, whatever. Yep. You know. Sure, 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 sure. So, because we have that quite a bit, you know, people who are, oh, they've got these Catholic roots and they're, you know, on their deathbed, they want to come back. Well, if you haven't officially left, all you need is good confession. And that brings you, you know, so if you, mm-hmm. if you have officially left, then you got some other stuff you got to do right but well thanks for joining us in this uh this challenging difficult uh, episode of restless and you know life is not always easy it's not always cut and dry but if we know our faith if we study the catechism then we can have the principles to guide us and hopefully you have someone in your life you can trust maybe a priest or, or a, another person who's advanced in faith where you can run these difficult moral questions by them hopefully you found this interesting i love studying moral theology and, and hopefully it's given you some clarity on your own difficult moral issues that we face every day Thank you for joining us in this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.